Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode is being recorded on Tuesday, January 15th, 2019. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. We are joining you live, live, live from the floor of NRF 2019's Big Show here in the lovely Javits Center in New York City. And we are in podcast booth A. Uh, the people in B, I don't know what they're doing, but uh, A is where all the action is. Yeah, if they keep doing a good job, maybe they'll earn their way up to booth A at some point. It's pretty much the gold tier here at, uh, at uh, NRF. Uh, so we are excited to have on the show with us Michelle Dupre. Uh, she is the Group Vice President at Verizon Enterprise Solutions for Retail, Hospitality, and Distribution. So not only is she an awesome guest, she has a longer title than you, Jason, which, uh, which is saying something. That's our new criteria for guests is only guests that have longer titles than me. Well, there you go. I think I fit the bill then. We totally appreciate you taking some time out uh, to talk with us today, Michelle. Uh, tradition on the show, we always like to start by getting a, uh, a little bit of background about uh, yourself and how you came to your role. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me here today. And again, we're really excited to be part of um, to be part of NRF, but where, where I started my journey with Verizon and um, just, again, the retail industry and how it's evolved. Um, so I do have responsibility for the team that works with some of the largest and most recognized global brands, um, not only in retail, but also in distribution and travel. So, um, you know, again, we service those clients globally. Uh, we work with them to help them service their customers better. Um, but again, my journey started with, uh, with Verizon uh, a long time ago, and it's evolved over uh, you know, several years in different roles, um, but really focusing on the enterprise customer. And, um, you know, again, with the technology evolution that clearly you see on the floor of NRF, uh, you can see why Verizon continues to, uh, you know, to evolve itself and continues to, re- you know, respond to the uh, ever-changing needs of their customers. Cool. Um, and then, so tell us, so, so I get Verizon Enterprise Solutions, and it sounds like you guys have verticalized it, and, and you know, retail is the vertical we want to talk about today. Um, so, so I'll just ask some, some newbie questions, just kind of, so, so does that mean the Verizon stores themselves, you work with them, or no, you're selling more stuff to retail? No, so we, we go to market with, um, you know, retail, meaning, you know, how we serve our consumers. So the retail sector within Verizon, I don't have responsibility for. Um, but again, it's just that is becoming, uh, you know, one of the test beds and again where we gain a lot of insight uh, you know to what consumer demands are and you know we've done a fabulous jobs over over the years um, just again you know evolving and uh, really working on providing that uh, you know that great customer experience within the physical environment uh, but also within our digital environment as those demands continue to grow too for the way consumers want to uh, engage with our brand. So, um, you know, we do a fabulous job. And again, it's a test bed um, and it's a great uh, source of information for us to, you know, just, again, test the market and see what uh, what what else is out there. 
Cool. So I'm a software guy. So let me restate that. So you, you guys have these solutions in your Verizon stores, uh, and then you kind of dog food them out, right? You figure out what's working there, and then you can go to another retailer and say, "Hey, J.C. Penney or you know whoever, um, here's some best practices around." Um, you know, obviously connectivity, but, um, you know, when I go to the Verizon store, it's really nice to have like that dude with the tablet. So I have positional awareness of where I am. Um, you know, I think the cash register kind of like they have them, but they kind of, anyone can check me out. Is that kind of the, what we're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I think it's twofold. I think it's exactly what you just said is that it's, it's an opportunity for us to learn, but it's also when we launch new products and services that we think are fit for purpose. And again, specific to retail, um, you know, gives us the opportunity to do a sanity check to see, are we on the mark and is it scalable, um, you know, beyond. And, and I think the other point about tablets, that was, you know, again, an evolution that we recognize as a retailer very early on um, to get outside of, you know, behind the counter um, and get in front of our customers and service them more effectively with a tablet. And, you know, you look at retailers that continues to, you know, be a widely adopted, you know, application in the way that they're serving their customers in brick and mortar. Yeah. Very cool. So one of the reasons I'm excited to have you today is uh, we, we love data on the show. Uh, in uh, Around holiday time, we get data from a bunch of sources about how consumers were behaving. Uh, but a flaw in a lot of the data sets that we get uh, are that it's heavily skewed towards desktop users. Um, and uh, I know you guys published... Uh, some some uh, insight about uh, holiday shoppers, and I'm guessing you're going to tell me that your data set uh, encompasses a lot more uh, mobile users as well. Uh, yeah, so we did um, the fifth year that we launched the Holiday Retail Index, and it and it does include um, you know focuses on the top 25 retailers e-commerce, and it tracks broadband traffic. So what I would say is that regardless of, I, I think the mobile engagement continues to grow year over year. I don't think that the statistics behind how that consumer is engaging really is, you know, it, it isn't any different. So I think, you know, whether they're behind a desktop or whether they're on a phone, um, again, it's about the convenience. But I think overall, what the takeaway is, is that the digital aspect of a consumer you know, their engagement with their brands, that's where the, the, the traffic has significantly increased year over year. Got you. And what were some of the top line insights from the study? Yeah. So again, like I said, this is the fifth year that um, that we've had the index. And, and what made this year very unique um, is just the, the, the sheer volume of traffic that we saw starting November 1st. So it was almost like, you know, Halloween was, you know, dusted, you know, dusted and over and right away came November 1st and every retailer had a full on, uh, you know, launch around, um, you know, just the holiday. And we also saw a heavier and again, this is not associated with the index, but again, the other additional research that we do behind, um, you know, behind the scenes is that it was creating that experience for the anticipated and upcoming holidays. So uh, we saw the season get off to a really, really quick start, um, saw significant growth over, um, you know, 2017. And, you know, it, it, it peaked throughout November. Uh, we saw, you know, just again, significant growth patterns um, leading up to Thanksgiving, which was a little bit unusual compared to last year. Of course, Black Friday, Saturday, leading into Cyber Monday were really strong. Um, but then we saw significant weakness, which again, if you look at um, you know, everything that's been reported on, it's pretty, you know, it's consistent with what we saw, um, you know, early on in the, in the holiday season. So, um, that continued. And then absolutely we saw that there was, uh, 
you know, there's traffic. It, it was over the weekend. You saw this, you know, the the natural spike of when consumers are, um, you know, shopping and at home. And um, then it kind of, uh, again, petered off. And then that last week, right before Christmas, just again, it rallied uh, pretty strongly till the end. Yeah, I call that the procrastinator pop. That's, Is- that's where my shopping lives. How about you, Jason? Uh, I'm super uh, proactive, so I, okay. I did everything on Prime Day. <laughs> there you go. Uh, if any listener believes that, I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> uh, do you have a – I'm curious. So, like, so it feels like you're, you're um, validating some of the other data we've seen that like the front half of holiday sort of over-indexed ber- versus previous years, and the very end of holiday may have been um, under-indexing versus mm-hmm. the, the growth we would traditionally expect. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the front half of the season, again, and I think the season, I think for, you know, it starts November 1st. I mean, I think historically, it's just everyone rallied and, and it started, you know, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and then led into that weekend. And that was the, you know, the end all be all. Um, but again, I think you see this constant beat of the drum of consumer engagement. And I, you know, and again, I think it was really um, strong the first, um, you know, what I'd say in November. And then again, we just saw this with this lull. The other piece that was interesting uh, when you look at the statistics and the and, you know, Sunday seems to be one of those days, um, you know, where we saw, you know, we didn't see strong, you know, it was down year over year. So I think that that's a consistent pattern. And, and again, I think the the opportunity for all retailers is to really digest, um, you know, well, what did they know throughout the entire season? Um, how agile were they to respond? Um, and then going into 2019 in the planning season, which, you know, they obviously already are, is like, what can they learn from it? What do they have to do differently? Yeah, um, I feel like one of the ramifications we've already seen is there are some retailers that like, you know, gave these like mid-season snapshots and they felt kind of rosy and they probably raised investor expectations. And now that we're seeing the first rounds of like earning announcements and some of the those earnings announcements aren't quite as rosy, um, it feels like those retailers are getting like a little extra punishment. Yeah. And I, and I do think because they saw strong engagement on the front end, um, you know, I think absolutely, you know, you, you know, you would, you would assume that it would carry through the entire, the entire season. Yeah. So. so do you have a hypothesis for why it got a little softer? Like are people just more, uh, Scott and I side more proactive in shopping earlier or did something happen that like there was, Less consumer confidence. Did I talk of the shutdown? I don't know, but yeah, I you know there could have been some distraction just in general. Um, but again, consumer confidence, I you know absolutely was there. And you know, I think what we're going to find at the end of the season is that there there absolutely there are and some have been reported is that they've had really strong holiday seasons, and then you know others. I think they were uh, probably a little bit um, you know taken aback by the by the end results because of the you know the the traffic they saw on the front end. Um, so I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's how they pivot, I think is the, the challenge that they all have going forward, whether you had a fantastic holiday season, it's just like, well, how do you repeat that? Because then, you know, the challenge there is that you got to set the right expectations, um, you know, going into the full, you know, to 2019 and, you know, how do you repeat that going into, you know, holiday next year, which, yeah. or this year, actually, we, we call it comping the comps and exactly. it's not fun. Yeah. Um, you always want to take a job after they had a soft year <laughs> is my, my advice to listeners. Um, anything that came out of holiday that like surprised you or that you think is a common misperception that, you know, I think the piece that surprised, and again, I think it's, a, it, it goes back to how are retailers getting creative around 
um, you know, engaging, engaging their customers. And, and again, I spoke to it a little bit earlier about just the, the preseason kickoff or the November 1st, it was, is, uh, you know, really launched it. And, you know, you saw a lot of retailers being creative with, um, again, creating that experience. So a lot of, you know, push for home goods. Um, so creating that great environment, whether it was for, you know, Thanksgiving or even going into, you know, into Christmas and Hanukkah. Um, but then, but then also it's just being able to deliver that great customer experience. So they're really good at the creative aspect of how do you can, you know, how do you engage? Um, you saw a lot of flash sales. So that time bound engagement. Um, and I think overall, I think retailers are really getting to become more intimate with their customers and understanding what their likes are, understanding what their, you know, engagement patterns are through loyalty programs and the adoption, um, you know, in that space and just, um, you know, the maturity. And I think, you know, five years ago, I think consumers were a little bit, um, you know, um, some of the aspects of knowing them a little bit too intimately were creepy. And I think for the most part, I think consumers are way beyond that. Um, and, you know, and the other piece is, is that once you have someone engaged, you don't want to just keep that consumer engaged for the holiday season. You want them to become a brand loyalist post-holiday and for, you know, eternity. For sure. Yeah. Cool. So I get that you guys aggregate all this data and you get some insights. Um, for individual retailers, can you provide them some some information that helps them do better? So, so it seems like you could, you know, if you guys are running the network in a store, you could say, hey, you had this many people on the network and they were super active or, you know, they your network was too weak. We need to up the bandwidth of the network. Um, and then so that's just like at the that layer, um, even, you know, uh, maybe Jason, we, we talk a lot about um, the mobile experience uh, for a lot of retailers uh, has a much lower conversion rate. You know, when someone uses their phone versus the website, kind of a thing. Uh, can you guys provide any insights to help retailers? Yeah, with those so, the, so the index looks at you know it's it's at a macro level and it, the data is all anonymized. So from that standpoint, at the top twenty five, it's just it is it is what it is. But I think where retailers have the opportunity, and, and um, you know whether it's through their agencies. Um, you know, whether it's through their digital marketing team, they, they understand their customers. Um, and I think with some of the, you know, with the technologies and, and some of the, the geofencing and, and the loyalty apps, um, they're able to make that, that intimate connection. Uh, so I think that they're, it's a combination. I think it's no one data source will tell you everything you need to be if you're a retailer. I think it's it's understanding your customers based on what you know and then obviously looking at, um, you know, the external data, you know, data sources that are available and really mashing that up and in determining what is the best, um, you know, engagement and how do you engage with those customers on an intimate and personal level. Yeah. Do you have an opinion about beacons? They seem to be like hot five, six years ago. Starbucks had them in every store and when I walk in there, it pops open the app. But then I don't get that experience hardly anywhere else anymore. It seems like beacons are on their way out. I, I'm, uh, I'm yeah. not an expert on them. I thought you may know something about them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they've evolved in terms of, um, you know, they, they absolutely still exist without a doubt. And I think what they're being used, um, you know, and I think this is where 5G will come into play, too, is just the ability to do stuff, to do, create this connected environment um, at scale. 
Um, and I think there were some limitations when you look at, you know, the cost of the devices, the cost of the chipsets. Like those are the things that I think will really um, help evolve this connected community that, you know, retailers will have the opportunity to do. Um, but to your question around the beacons, I think what where it's evolved from being of knowing who you are, because I think there's other ways that they understand who their customer base, um, you know, or any retailer understands who their customer base is. Um, but it's understanding the flow. So I think that there's a lot of the location-based applications that retailers are looking at. Um, you know, where do they, how effective is the display within a store? How effective um, is their merchandising strategy in terms of product placement? So I think that that's really the, um, you know, the behind the scenes um, where they've learned to leverage. It wasn't just a customer-facing application, but now it's kind of how do I help build a better store environment and is the planogram that we've, you know, is it working and do we need to make any modifications based on where uh, the traffic flow is throughout the store? Cool. And you mentioned the the magic uh, number letter combo 5G. So Jason was just at CS and here at the floor, there's a lot of talk about 5G. Um, let's start at the 30,000 foot level for, for listeners that may not know. Um, what is 5G? When's it coming? And, you know, obviously five seems better than four or, <laughs> um, you know, it's like is 20% it, better. Is it 20%? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it 20% better? So, and then not only is it faster, but are we going to get more coverage? And, you know, so maybe give us the high level pitch on 5G. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, we're, you know, if you were at CES, you, you saw Hans and uh, hopefully you saw Hans on the, on the, our CEO. Uh, take the main stage for a keynote. So we, we strongly believe that it is, again, it's the next generation. And it's the next generation from two standpoints. It's one is that it's a new, ne- you know, it is the next generation network, uh, but it also will be, um, you know, connected to the next generation device. And whether that's a, you know, a smartphone, whether it's a, you know, IoT device, but again, that's the pervasiveness of how we see um, the technology being deployed. Um, you know, I think that there's absolutely the opportunity to, um, you know, 4G is not going away. Um, so I think it will be complementary. And I think what you'll be able to do is really look at applicate at the application truly at the edge and, you know, take advantage of edge compute, uh, which, again, in the in other environments, it just it was prohibited to be able to, um, you know, to do that. So um, we're super excited about where the industry is going. We're absolutely um, you know, positioned ourselves to be, you know, continue to be a leader in, uh, you know, with 5G and in innovation. And I think, um, you know, this industry, we see, you know, just unbelievable opportunity for them to be able to take advantage of it, you know, in the very near future. Cool. So, so an example of like the edge thing is an autonomous car can do a lot of processing. Uh, and then, you know, because 5G is so fast, it can it can do offload more of that to the cloud. Correct. Uh, and, you know, instead of kind of today, those cars have to go dock overnight just to kind of get the data kind of you know, up into a cloud for processing and that kind of thing. So, so is that kind of what you mean by, by yeah, edge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes it because if you think about what, um, you know, it's everything has been connected and IoT we've been talking about for years and. And, um, you know, it's the latency and the speed. So when you push everything out to um, out to the edge, it's like that's where that kind of all comes, the intersection, no pun intended, to the car um, analogy. But it just that's where it all comes together. And, um, you know, again, I think that we see what the future can bring. But I think, um, you know, the challenge that we threw out to the community is, you know, help us because there's tremendous amount of incredibly intelligent, uh, visionary people that are out there. Um, and again, we want them to help us, you know, craft the, you know, the art of the possible. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. And then, so let's, what does 5G do you think mean for stores? Because a lot of the stores I go into, they have the Wi-Fi, but it's like always a hassle, right? You have to go in, find it, and it doesn't connect. You have to agree to terms. And, you know, so it's not as seamless as, you know, if, if I had kind of, you know, Wi-Fi level speed off of a, of a network. Right. Um, so hopefully you're going to solve that. But then, like, what kind of store experiences are, are retailers thinking about that 5G will enable? You know, I think um, I think what will enable them, and again, it goes back to their, the technology exists today, but you think about video and you think about just the ability to look at and analyze, again, whether it's, this, you know, a simple model of understanding flow traffic uh, within the store, but then also looking for characteristics of, um, you know, again, what consumers you know, they might be wearing and, and we have, um, you know, we've launched the 5G labs of which we're doing a lot of different, um, you know, again, innovation around what does it mean? And, and one of the applications that we're showing there um, is, again, this. It, there's two that I think are really that are that will take off. Well, they'll all take off. But the ones that I think are really relevant um, is being able to identify someone who walks in a store. And, and the example is that they have, you know, a logoed, you know, a sports logoed shirt. Um, and being able to identify that and then going back to your, you know, your comments about engagement is like, well, how do you personalize? We know that you like a certain brand of sports attire, you know, apparel um, so that they can engage with you. And whether it's, um, you know, some type of promotional activity, um, just, again, making that much more personal, I think, is but it's identifying what are the patterns that you see within. And you just you can't do that today. It's it, it just the, the requirement for bandwidth. Uh, latency, speed, um, and just the cost of entry is just, it, it's, it doesn't, it's just not there. So we see that continually to, to evolve. Cool. So Jason walks in wearing his Lululemon pants and it says, we see you're a Lulu enthusiast. Come over to this part of the store to learn more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah or alternatively, example. it might say, we see you in Lululemon pants and we're willing to pay you not to wear them again. <laughs> please, exit, please exit the store. Security, security. They, exactly. they could make product <laughs> recommendations to the alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so I want to turn to one last topic, and it's a, I feel like it's a good news, bad news thing for the industry. I feel like you guys enjoy this particularly good reputation uh, in the security space, so, so Verizon Enterprise Security Services. But the bad news is um, the reason you're always mentioned is some retailer gets breached, and then you then, they then hire Verizon <laughs> to come in and remediate the the problem. I feel like I've seen too many press releases where like you were the the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about yeah. what the security services are and what some of the trends are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think it's um, you know looking at it from the standpoint of what you just you commented on. We have an incredibly strong practice. Um, around helping, you know, organizations when, you know, the unthinkable happens. So we're able to go in there, help them, uh, you know, remediate and, you know, get back to, uh, get back to normal. But on the front end, and again, I think that this is, you know, the important aspect of, of a good, you know, security practice is, you know, really understanding where your risks are in the business. So, um, you know, before the unthinkable happens, we've created a really strong practice um, and work with a lot of major brands, not just in retail, because, again, everyone's susceptible to a potential, uh, you know, compromise and breach and, and really putting thought leadership around how do we help 
you know, the industry, identifying, uh, you know, the potential threats and attacks and the unusual, you know, traffic and visibility that we see throughout the entire network, our global network. Um, and then also, um, you know, understanding the patterns that they, you know, that's inclusive to their, you know, to their family and to their traffic, um, correlating the two. Um, and then also looking for ways to, you know, help them prepare. Um, that when and if something does happen, that they have the right practice in place, uh, whether it's notifying and working with the board of directors, that's, you know, their PR firms or communications teams, whomever that might be. But it's, again, it's really just building that strong practice. So when and if something does happen, that you're well prepared. But what retailers and everyone in the industry, you know, they need to do, they need to understand what information do they have, what data do they have, uh, where does it sit? Where is it in transit? Uh, and never let that information be accessible to anyone in the public. And I think it's it's foundational to, you know, good security hygiene. And I think that there's absolutely, um, you know, is, is the, the bad actors, as we call them, as they continue to get smarter. And, and, you know, we have to stay ahead of the game and so does everyone else. And, you know, we really do uh, work strongly with them to do that. So. Um, it's a growing field. It's not going to get any smaller. And I think when you look at, um, you know, foundationally to, you know, the leap from this connected environment that's going to continue to grow is, you know, everyone needs to keep that in mind. It's just whether you're with 4G today and, and uh, you're going to create this, inc- you know, incredible ecosystem of, of this connected environment. Um, everything you do today is foundational to the next generation of technology. So it's really important that, they know what they have in place today, where it is, and they have a plan that, you know, if and when something does happen, that they can execute on it very quickly and stay out of the news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> stay out of the news. Seems like it should be the slogan. The It's... I, it's been encouraging. One of the topics I've heard come up in a lot of the, the presentations at this show has, has been about this, like, emerging awareness of trust and how important uh, trust is for commerce success. And obviously, these... These security missteps are one of the, the easiest ways to lose that trust. And as you rightly pointed out, like as uh, connectivity gets better and we move to 5G and, you know, we incrementally have more devices that are now part of the customer experience, it's a lot more vectors for those bad actors um, to attack. So I feel like protecting that trust is more important than ever and also harder than ever. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more complicated and I think it's just understanding uh, you know, if you create and live in a complicated environment, it's just you got to have a security practice that, you know, that complements that. So, um, you know, again, it's I think we're going to live in this world. If you think about where we were five years ago, the adoption of smartphones, um, it, it just IOT, you know, you know, smart vehicles, smart cities. You know, I think that they, you know, just security is just such an important aspect of that evolution. And, and, you know, again, we're, we're here to help and, and we'll continue to be here to help serve our customers and, and really serve the industry. Nice. Um, well, Michelle, that's going to be a great place to leave it because we have used up our allotted time. Um, but we greatly appreciate you taking time off from the floor to come talk to the listeners. And as always, if uh, listeners want to follow up on the conversation, we encourage you to jump on our Facebook page. And of course, we always appreciate those five-star reviews on iTunes. Well, Michelle, thanks for joining us. Um, do you tweet or uh, if, if listeners want to follow some of the thought leadership from Verizon around 5G or security or some of the topics we've talked about, the retail flavor, where, where should they go? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to uh, Verizon.com and you can see everything that we're doing across all industries and all practices. And uh, we're here today under Verizon Enterprise. So look for us um, out there. And, and uh, yeah, we are actively tweeting. So okay. awesome. Awesome. Until next time, happy commercing. Thank you. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 